Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? committed to that joke. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> How you doing, pal? Ready for your big adventure? Getting ready for my Pee-wee's big adventure. By the way, I watched that movie again not too long ago, and I liked it even more. I, 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 <gasps> oh, I'm so thrilled to hear yeah, that. Yeah, I, I really, really like that movie. I think it's so funny. The other thing I... Oh, so you had a text to me earlier about Into the Woods. Oh, yeah. I actually genuinely wanted to know, because is this, in this episode, are we going to hear from C? Like, is this the... He didn't make the cut. I'm sorry. (laughs) Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. It just, it did. What happened? Well, it was... OMG, I feel sad in my heart. What do we need to do? I'm sorry. It was just boring. It was just boring. You know, there's an age that kids reach. There's just a line. They go past a line. It's like, okay, you're not as. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because it's when they're not. So it's it's because she's now she's self-aware. I like had the best time. I'm so glad and I will forever treasure it in my heart as (laughs) as a beautiful, lovely conversation that. I and and my family and you will love, but yeah, it was okay. not giving me. It was not giving me. Okay, great. Well, that's important. Like maybe but, it was a good, um, like it was a good experience. It was a good experience for her, and you know, and we had right. wanted to do it, and so so we did. Okay, it. okay. When 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 I did crew for Into the Woods, you know, we had to listen As to did that. I. <laughs> we had to listen to that song or that mu- that music co- constantly and actually i think that um when you when we were on crew like we didn't get to see the show ever never they never and when you listen to something only and you don't get to take in the whole thing it's just not the same um and so i had it in my mind that i really hated that show ah and when the movie came out, my kids were really interested in seeing it. I kind of liked it. I at least understood the story. I was at least like, oh, this is what this is about. But seeing it on Broadway, I was like, okay, now I get it. I get it. I totally get why. And it's not just that it was on Broadway. It's that I understand what it's about now because I'm older. Well, I think I also think it's so interesting about the um, theater school aspect Right. So when we were in theater school, we, we, I didn't have any capacity to understand about loss and love. Yeah. 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 So it was great. So I loved it. And Pee Wee, I loved. Um, so I've, I, I'm actually, I had wanted a long, for a long time to ask you, you told me about a few things that you've watched, rewatched that haven't hold held up, which we all have those things. It's like, oh, this is not nearly as good as I thought it was or it's funny. But what has have has anything gotten better? Ooh. Like you didn't appreciate think, it at the time and then Yeah. So all the like old political movies or movies that have a bent um with social justice stuff. Um, like, so the taking of, uh, 
Pelham 123 is my favorite movie of all time. I don't even know what that is. You have to, they made a remake with Denzel Washington and John Travolta that's horrific. But the original is Walter Matthau and a bunch of other dope actors. And it's about, it's a train heist movie. It's a, about New York City, uh, the trains under, obviously, the subway, being taken over. Oh, huh, okay. Brilliant acting, brilliant writing, great social commentary about the haves and have-nots. Um, anyway, so that has held up and gotten better. But all of John Hughes' movies trash. should be burned in a heap. Just trash. What? What the fuck? What were we doing? God, there's so much we didn't know. There's just so much we didn't know. And actually, that's been kind of my theme recently is like, you know how we always say, oh, man, think about how many people before there was this acceptance around LGBTQ. Think about how many people just died. And, you know, for for all of history up until that point, it was just horrible for those people. And I... So I've been wondering recently, okay, well, so what's our version of that? What's our thing that um, we don't know? We we ascribe something to something that it's not and that we'll understand later or, or not at all. And one example is autism. I have recently uh, learned that somebody I love is on the spectrum and it has really positively changed my perception. It's literally like a person does a behavior and you interpret it this one way and then you learn something and then that same behavior no longer is interpreted that way. Absolutely. Behavior that drove me crazy, made me angry, riled me up now i'm like oh you have autism got it got it i'm so sorry i didn't get it and actually i'm looking back through my family tree and i'm going oh i bet my mom's mom had autism and actually she had a therapist who said that to her at once and when my mom told me that i'm like what she didn't have autism but it was on the spectrum right when rain man came out it taught us that it made us think that all autism was that right Right. It was like savant yeah, behavior right. yeah. or like, so on the other end of the spectrum, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So autism. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, you know, I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast that like I use the word lame and my cousin called me on it and I called someone else on it recently and that's how change is made. Mm-hmm. Like literally. And so there is, um, I'm like obsessed with the idea of how does real change get made? Like not in just in words, but like what is the alchemy that happens with change? And I don't know the answer, but I'm doing a lot of research. (laughs) Well, the thing that you just mentioned about using that word um, reminds me of in medical school, or medical training, they it's they say, see one, do one, teach one. So when you're uh, learning procedures, you watch it once, you do it once, and then you teach it. Like that's that's the oh that's that. the rate at which you're expected to to observe information. But actually, what that's exactly what you did with that word. You heard that you heard or saw that that wasn't okay. 
you started to do the right thing yourself and then you taught somebody else. That, that's how change happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me run this by you. All this to say, I wanted to say this from the beginning, which is your hair looks amazing. Like this has this beachy oh, wave going you. on with these highlights. Yes, my look beachy wave. It's Actually, real- that's funny because earlier today I was like, should I get my hair cut before I oh, go? No, I love this. And, but okay, okay. do what you want. I'll, but I'll of keep course. rocking it. You keep rocking it. I'll okay, keep rocking it. So, so change and, and the way change gets made. Okay, I have a little story about uh, a sh- about show running. Okay. I was talking to, what I want to ask you about, I was talking to a friend and she's dope and she's a new friend and she's fancier than um, I am in terms of where she's at in her career as a writer. Okay, fine. Has this great idea for a series, has a lit uh, agent, lit agent says, hey, every production company, read this dope script and they read it. And she thought it's such a weird idea that no one would like it. But of course, those are the ones that everyone liked it. So then she got to interview producers to see who would be attached. So like, this is the first time for her for that. Great. She gets this dope lady producer attached. And then they're show- they want to attach a showrunner before they start pitching to networks. All these showrunners want to do it. So my friend interviews all the showrunners and picks this one showrunner who has experience and is a dude and seems amazing and turns out to be a douchebag. Okay. Um, you don't okay. say. You don't say. Okay. So um, um, uh, he failed up. He, you know, she did not, I really respect her. She did not disclose his name because there's the, the moral of the story is this. So then I go, oh my gosh. What do you do then? You have this great show. You have this badass lady producer. You're badass. And you have a douchebag attached who sabotages meetings with his poor behavior and his general jackassery. Okay, what do you do then, friend? And she's like, okay, well, if you unattach the showrunner before it sells, the message is there's a bomb inside of the show. And okay, so this was all news to me. I said, okay, that makes sense. So then what do you do? So she says, what you do is you wait until the, it sells and then you unattach this producer and you hire a new producer or a showrunner and you hire a new showrunner. And I said, okay, this is really interesting because my, the juice for me is, does the original douchebag showrunner get any feedback, right? Or do you just unattach him? Because guess what happens? If you unattach him and no one says anything, my ass coming up, will be attached to this. If I'm lucky, I will be in the position to shop something. And this douchebag is going to attach to my shit. I don't want that. Is there any way, friend, that someone, even if it's, look, I'm scared fuckless to give feedback. I don't like it. I don't like getting it. I um, I have been uh, um, very, very um, a wimp when it comes to this. However, I am seeing the need for it now. And so what do you do? So I said, well, is there any way badass producer lady can give someone has to give this guy feedback because or else if nothing changes nothing changes and we're right here and then and we're doing this for centuries and then no there is no legacy or change and I can't abide so she was like that is a great idea I'm gonna see if someone can 
and it's not so much that I want to put people in their place, although that feels really good, but I definitely feel like, and this is where, how I feel, what you're, when I ask your feelings about it, I feel like if there is, so like if I'm putting out into the world, I want to make the world a better place literally for your kids and your kids' kids and everyone's kids' kids. Okay. I genuinely want that if our world was to exist. So doesn't something have to change in the system? Absolutely. It does. And I share your apprehension about giving feedback, but as I think I've told you in the past, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it as time goes by. And I've gotten used to saying, you know what, this is why this isn't working. And, you know, and I know that that means that that is probably the end of our road together because you're so upset by the thing I've said to you. But I don't care because I've no, I've done that to people whose advice I have then integrated and taken on. All uh, you can't threaten to quit your job every time you don't like what's going on. All uh, you have to be a little bit more of a self-starter. All uh, yeah. nobody likes it when you walk ahead of them <laughs> ten paces, whatever. And um, yeah, and and actually, I I think it's not what we tell ourselves is I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. And that's not, it's valid. It's not invalid, but what we really don't want to do is just tolerate their reaction to our feedback. It's really much more selfish than it, because the selfless thing to do in a nice way, obviously, is to say, Hey, I don't know if you have ever been in this situation before where, um, you know, because what happens when nobody tell when everybody's a yes man, this is my big problem with what I can observe about what happens in Hollywood. If everybody's telling everybody else they're great and then behind closed doors, they're saying they're awful, then how do you know who you're ever supposed to trust? How do you know? Um, I have given feedback in the way of, now this I did very cowardly. I did not take a direct approach, but there is just so people know, there is a website you can go on to, to anonymously send somebody a note that they have halitosis. Wait a minute. Wait yes. a minute. Yes. This is, I mean, this is so fascinating on so many levels. I didn't know what you were going to say. I thought you were going to say we're racist or we're, but specifically for halitosis. Specifically for halitosis, and, and one of my thousand ideas for an app is to make a bunch of versions of that, where it's like, I want to tell somebody that their, know, feet their, or their feet stink, and I don't want them to know, and this is an anonymous way of letting that person know, because the person that I did the halitosis thing to corrected it immediately. Now, when they received this message, they probably felt pretty terrible. They probably... But at the same time, I feel like if it was me, I would go, I'd rather know. I'd rather know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because otherwise so... I just ever, nobody wants, nobody wants to sit next to me okay. and I have no idea why. Okay. Also human beings are so in like fascinating and insane to me that we have created, we have used technology. I mean, I think it's brilliant. I, I don't think that, but it's like so specific. It is so specific. The halitosis anonymous website or emails. I I, how did you figure out this existed? Well, you know, Aaron, Aaron, in, at some point in his medical training, I don't remember if it was med school or residency, 
had somebody who was just one level above him whose breath was so bad if his back to you what you could smell it if his back was to you you could smell it Mm -hmm. and basically Aaron suffered the entire year yeah as did everybody else in this person's presence with the you know because it's his superior right right. and I thought I bet that I could imagine a scenario in which this is a brilliant person who's never been able to get ahead in his career and has no idea why. Oh shit. Right. And that start. And I, and I remember when he was talking to me about it saying, you have to say something because it's a, it's never going to change. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? He can be like, fuck you. And then I'm going to stay with my halitosis. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay, well then that's the choice, but at least you cannot say it's like, what you tell your friend that they have spinach in their teeth. It's just, it's kind. It doesn't, it's awkward. It feels uncomfortable. Nobody likes it, but it's kind. And so um, I was working with somebody who had really bad breath and I thought, you know, in all ways, I really care for this person, but it's such a thing that I can't pay attention to what they're saying. Right. 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 So right. It's like, let's do us both a favor. And then I Googled, how do you tell somebody that they have bad breath? And this website came up and it was like, and I don't, I don't remember now if it was that they sent an email. They probably or, sent an email. Yeah. I think they sent an email. Yeah. And you know, and I what, do say, you know what the email really says? Do they show, show, tell you what they're sending to them? It's a probably yes. kind. It's very kind. The it's email like probably says funny some, and like we all have troubles. Somebody who you know has contacted this, has used this website to let you know that you have a problem with your breath and they, they love you or they like you or they right. respect you or whatever right. it is. And they, and you know, they can't bring themselves to tell you in person. So they sent you this. OMG. It's great. Now, of course, there's a big opportunity for people to abuse this. And I'm sure there's assholes who send, like, do you know that thing where you can send a bag of shit to somebody's door? No, but like, can I just tell you that, that there used to be a site. I think we may, maybe I talked to you about this off the air, but like there used to be a site for like, um, uh, people who had terrible dates with people like men or, or boyfriends that were horrible. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it, it was right at the beginning of the me too movement. So it got a lot of, and then people went crazy. And my old boss called me and said, did you report me to the site? And I said, I won't name him, but I said, um, and it wasn't the famous boss. It was another boss. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm in, I'm right. I'm in Chicago. I left Hollywood behind. And he's like, my life is like up turned upside down because someone put me on blast on this website called like don't date him.com. I don't know if it still exists, but I think it got taken down because people were liable and it was like a whole thing. And I said, okay, first of all, like I'm recovering from a nervous breakdown. Uh, you're the least of my worries. I was trying to like get healthy so I can live a life here in good old Chicago, uh, with my dead dad and my new, you know, boyfriend and my mom who's going to get cancer in about three months. So like what, what? And, but apparently people, it was like a, it was like a, a, what are those trash book or whatever we used to burn book or whatever you burn book. Right. right. But online about like douchebag dating people, I don't know, like whatever. So anyway, I love that. 
I back just to the showrunner. Yeah, yeah. Back to the showrunner. Oh, right, right, showrunner, right, right. Showrunner would be a great name for like a team of something like a rugby team or something. Right. Like showrunner. It's like a team of like what you call like a team of Clydesdales. Showrunners. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Or it's just people who who run races, but they wear really fancy. Yes. <laughs> or like maybe they're like people that like love drag and wear and run races. Showrunners. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the higher stakes it is, the higher stakes it is like, you know, and we, I guess we don't know is, is this person's difficult, difficult personality part of why they have gotten as far as they have? I mean, I, I have no idea. Does, do you, does your friend think that this is, this person is good at their job? So, uh, I think it's what happens to a lot of, I think it's mixed bag of like, they managed during a time to the, the, these showrunners, a specific kind of show, showrunner, I think we're probably talking white males in their 40s to 60s, um, like locked into these jobs where they could attach to younger writers with better, crazier ideas, more creative folks, and were able to sort of uh, ride their coattails, but also own a room in some way they must have. And, um, then sort of went from there. So they don't have like the creative jam, but they are the exact stable. Everyone loves an old white dude jam or did love an old white dude to be in the room with these young, fresh writers kind of a situation. So the answer is yes and no. If by good by their job, meaning they did the old version of Hollywood showrunner really well and it worked for them for many years. And now what is happening, and I don't care if it if people want to ignore it or not, there is a reckoning going on, even if it's not systemic, it is starting within people. So so women and people of color are saying, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This douchebag hasn't done shit and they're gonna fuck up my deal with so and so because they can't get it together. Oh no, oh no, no. Uh, we're we're in a post George Floyd murder, post Me Too situation. And as much as we wanna pretend that maybe we aren't, those things actually happened. So um, we are internalizing them as women and people of color and other community. And and even the white dudes are internalizing it. We, they're not dumb, right? So they're now getting called on shit a little bit more. Even if it's not fully, there's a friction that has developed that can't be ignored that people are like, no, you can't behave like this. So we're going to unattach you. But without feedback, they just could think they're unattached because, oh, I'm just being canceled. Right. Right, 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 right. Well, and also I've heard people say before, there's no human resources in Hollywood. Like there's never, no, never. You know, yeah, which is, and I think that's what the unions have tried to get their arms around. And maybe yes. as time goes by, there will be a broader reach. Sure. But, but in the meantime, I mean, yeah, we wouldn't, you mentioned Me Too, we wouldn't have the Me Too movement if people were we're never going to be brave enough to, right. to right. come forward. So, so it's ultimately yeah. always a really it always ends up to be a good thing, you know, to more information, more self-awareness. And actually I was mentioning to you that I recently discovered that show that everybody's already watched the bear, um, which I think is so good. And one of the little plot lines that I really appreciate is just this idea that the restaurant is being run the old fashioned way which people have a strong affinity to and nostalgia for 
And I'm sure, you know, in this fictional story, I'm sure people come home from college and they got to go to that place, whatever. But the food wasn't as good as it could be. And the organization wasn't as good as it could be. And the people who stayed on through the new transition in the character that you auditioned for, she learns that she loves this new way. You know, at first she rejects it and she don't tell me to call everybody yeah. a chef and don't. Right. And then, and then she, she her life actually gets better b- because there's a structure and a discipline that is imposed on her that she rejects at first. I just and also, feel like, and also gives yeah. her voice ultimately. So like this, you, if you can't beat them, join them goes both ways. Right. So like, if you can't beat them, join them in a patriarchy. I did that for most of my life. Like I'll just do whatever they say and I'll just, I'll just pretend everything's fine and, and fit in where I get it in this system. But then it also works for, wait a minute, wait a minute. When there's a new system that could behoove me, can I get in there? Can I change? Can I adapt? Can I grow? And, and, and it is so hard to grow and off the air, I will tell you about some cheese may gossip that I have about my own life that I won't share on this platform, but I will share with you. But it's basically, can I, what does it take for people to adapt, own their shit and grow? And even when it's going to benefit them, it can be fucking torture. It, at first it is horrible. And to pretend that it's not hard is fucking bullshit. Right. To say like, oh, just adapt. Like, no, 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 no. That's why I said about like this showrunner who could be an, any number of 500 showrunners, if not 5,000. What I would like to do is have a, a system where we say, listen, dude, these are the reasons you're being unattached from this project whoever it is, whether it's a a man or a woman, these are the reasons. This is what we've noticed. This is why it's not working for us. Like you said, right? Like you said about feedback, this is what's not working for us. And it's the end of the road for us, but all is not lost because here are some, you can tell me to shove them up my ass, but here in my expertise are some things that can be done to change the game here, to change how we're doing this. If you want those resources, if you don't see you later, if you do. So there's, I think and also it, yeah. it will, all, it, whether or not any one individual chooses to face these type of things, it, it's not that it's immaterial, but these things will change. I mean, you know, because, you know, if you think this person's a douche, like you're not the only one. Lots of people think that. And some, somebody eventually down the line, why not be the beneficiary of, you know, standing up for yourself and saying, this isn't right. Right. And I also believe like, someone was like, well, why are you the person to do this or to like make these changes? And I said, because I believe I can write a fucking love story and highlight the good parts of Jeffrey Dahmer. So like you are talking to someone who actually believes that at their core, people have both good and trickiness in them. And I believe that and I will die on that hill. So you want someone like me on your side saying, listen, I don't want to just excommunicate you, execute you, whatever the thing you think is. I actually care that and think that you're not an evil human being. I just think that you haven't adapted well and you haven't made an effort and people haven't taught you. It's a combo platter. And so do you want to work on it? And so we'll see. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I definitely want somebody like you in there to do that. I have um, kind of a sweet little story about 
giving feedback. Um, you know, of course, one of the ways that we can always soften feedback is with humor. And I've recently, I've had to tell one of my kids, like, how to, how to employ, and it's manipulative. Okay. But so everything is sort of manipulative, Um, how you employ humor to say the thing that you want to say instead of swallowing it, but, but to soften the blow. And I remember I was um, assistant directing a play one time and the director was an older, much older man. And we were in rehearsal and, and we had paused and we were having a conversation, something that was about the script. And he says to the room, if you ever really want to know what men think, all you have to do is blah, blah, blah. And I said, what makes you think any of us don't know what men think? It is literally everywhere we, we, all we hear. Avoid. It's all we hear about. And the look on his face, he was maybe a little a tiny bit embarrassed, but I could read immediately the look on his face was, I never thought about it like right. that. Right. I never thought about it like that. And he subsequent to that referenced that it a few times like you know you said that thing and at first time felt kind of ouch but then I thought oh yeah that makes a lot of sense so it works I mean it works you know it doesn't not work <laughs> I guess it doesn't work if you're way too low on the totem pole and you're talking to somebody who's way too high in the totem pole but otherwise it does usually work yeah and I I do think that it come, especially like intention is like everything and it will repair. Even if you bumpy, bumpily give someone feedback, even if your intention is I like genuinely wanted or want, or at some point wanted to have a relationship and a collaboration with you. And this is what took me out of it. And if there's ever hope, maybe our time is over, like you said, the end of the road for us. But if there's ever hope in the future for you to share your gifts and your talents, because I do believe that everyone has those. I really do. And if if there's ever a way you want to share those again, this might help you also to like not rob people of your goodness. Like, and that's why I also get along with grumpy curmudgeons, because what I see is they want, just like everybody, to be understood and heard. They fucking cannot do it in a way that is not not grumpy and curmudgeonly. They just can't do it. And so um, I see in there the desire, and usually they have a strong desire. They just don't know how to get there, and they've like had a shell on for so many years. Now, look, some people are just straight-up douchebags, and you have to wash your hands and walk the fuck away. That's like that dream I had where someone walked up to me and said, some monsters you have to kill. I'm walking down the street in my dream and a fucking, I don't, being comes up to me and says, whispers some monsters you just have to kill. So I get it. Like there is not, I'm not trying to make um, peace with Hitler and trying to go on a picnic with his ass, right? I don't give a fuck. But what I'm trying to do is not create any more Hitlers. Like how can we not do this again? Right? Yeah, stop like, the insanity with the let's Hitlers. Stop the insanity if we can. That's going to be my, I realize that like that's why legacy is so fucking important to me is because I want a record that I tried to make things better. And usually people do that through their kids or through their work or through, you know what I mean? Like if you don't have kids, it's really hard to figure out like, oh, like what's the record going to be that I was here? Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't want the record to be like, I was, I was too scared to say something to my friend, my partner, my whoever. So I just fucking swallowed it and then 
whatever. Anyway, go ahead. And by the way, you hear a lot of record keeping going on at funerals. People yeah. are like, oh, now that they're dead, we can talk about what an asshole they were. Well, God, well, that wasn't fair to that person. No. Why didn't you tell them when they were alive? So they, right. I really appreciated what you just said about the the layers and the shell that people, that, that some of this behavior is just, and maybe even all of it is really, if you could just unpack it, it's just a, a defense and the person actually probably wants mostly the same thing that you want. And, and if, and if you can find, and this is, this is always the trick. If you can find a way to say, I really value you. And this is a problem for me. If you can find a way. And I think you, you said it already. It's about intention. It's about like, what am I really hoping to get out of this interaction? Because what usually ends up happening is the person makes you so mad that all you want to get out of the interaction is to hurt them, which is not the right way to give the feedback, even if it is true. The way to give the feedback is a shit sandwich, <laughs> couching it with like, here's what I think is really great about you. Here's what we're really struggling with. And here's how I think you can change and be better. Right. And the other thing is um, a lot of things I'm learning actually from my husband's job, right? If you've ever listened to this podcast, which I hope you have, you know that like I struggle with my husband's having a new job thinking he's constantly going to get fired. He's not doing a good enough job. Of course, this is all not about him and it's about me. But what I realized was, oh, like I have to shift how I look at this, duh. But like I have to be like, okay, a lot of this is that my husband needs training, okay, from his boss, not from me. I don't, I'm not his boss. Training. If he's not doing something well, which like recently he had trouble like writing emails. They were like, your emails are a little like abrupt and not like the thing that I learned as a totally fucking neglected child to do, which was write a fucking dope ass email and, and, and really pay attention to how words work. He didn't have to do right. Or didn't do or whatever. It doesn't matter why, but now he's getting training on that. And I'm like, I have to totally rephrase it to, okay, Jen, don't focus on the fact that they're like, hey, your emails suck. Focus on the fact that they're like, here's how to make them better. Can you do it? And he is doing it. He is learning and growing and changing the way he writes emails. So he won't lose his job from this or probably won't. But like I had to really shift to, okay, what is actually going to, what is going to change? Like, how can we, how is this going to be better? Because where I'm going to is he's going to be fired because the dude can't write a socially acceptable email. Well, but they're help, they're training him. So that comes back to training. We all need fucking training. Like, we don't know how to yeah. do shit. We need training. And when it comes to giving feedback, you have the, the thing that's hard for all people to do is uh, delay gratification or you know, to tolerate the pain of the moment, because this is a long game. Changing a, an, a, an entrenched system is the longest game possible. It makes me think about like people who built these cathedrals in the oh 1800s and they were, you know, and it took a hundred years to build. So you go into this project knowing you will never see this finished, right. you only be part of the ladder to get there. But, you know, if you can tolerate that and, and still know that you're, you know, bringing something of value to the table, then it's okay if it takes a hundred years, right? It takes, right. it takes how long it takes. It take, and it's about the process for me and the relationships while you're building the cathedral and what I learn about myself and other humans while I'm building the fucking cathedral versus seeing the shit built, right? Seeing the shit built. Yeah. So anyway, I just yeah. really, yeah, I really, I really am experiencing a lot of like, um, things where I'm just like, oh, like, 
what is going to be my mission? Like what is going to be my thing, whether it's business in, in business or television, right? Whatever it is, like, how am I going to go about my affairs? Because, um, yeah, I'm very, very interested in make in, in having this world. If I, you know, leaving this world with some record that I tried to contribute, you know, absolutely. And actually I'm paying such close attention to the victory gardens thing right now, because I just have this feeling you know, the snap for people who don't know there, there's a big dust up at Victory Garden Theater in Chicago, which is a very respected theater, which was kind of a little much smaller, right? When we were in school, like much it was a smaller, it was like right above, right? It was right on Lincoln and this little it had those poles in the way it was really and then it became totally. like this big deal at the buyer. It became a big deal. And it's a, you know, very respected theater and they're having problems because even though their board is not all white, they have a white supremacist mentality. And I'm quoting the playwright who pulled her play colored water because of the what what we've seen so much of in the last two years which is theater companies getting all okay we've got to put a black square on our instagram and then we've got to have a play that has all black characters and that's all great it's not anything against that but if you do that without a system in place to support those black artists without an understanding of like the ways in which your approaches may be different and how to how to manage that it never changes and i think Something about, and maybe it's just because it's like what I'm tuned into, but something about that thing, because she is not the first playwright to pull her play, just happened a month ago with Dominique Morisot. I'm sure it's happened many other times around the country and around the world. Um, This is, I feel like this is going to end up to have been the watershed for things to, as you say, to actually change. Because if I had to guess, I mean, not really knowing anything about the situation, if I had to guess, the people, the white supremacists in power over there are going, well, our board president is a black man. How could it be? How could we be anything but, you know, aware of all of this stuff? And the other, you know, yeah. And the other, I totally agree. And the other thing I was saying was I was talking about a business thing I'm doing, which I will talk to you off the air. People are probably like, what the fuck? But I just, <laughs> I can't wait to tell you, but I can't tell you on air. So um, um, uh, I was talking about like, how do we, put our own needs in terms of financial needs, paying rent so that you don't end up unhoused, all those things. How do we balance that out? And I was saying, and, and, and my husband said, well, is this something you could do short term for whatever? And I said, but here's the thing. You fucking can't own a plantation for two weeks and then be like, and the rest of the month, I'm an abolitionist. We cannot do it. It cannot work. I don't want to sit on the bus with you for five minutes and have an interaction if it's not going to be on the level and collaborative. I don't give a fuck. So it is not like what we can do short term. Like, can you just stand it for a little bit? And look, if I maybe if I was in another situation financially, yes. But I don't want to be a, a part-time plantation owner and be like, the rest of the month, I'm cool. That is not what I'm trying. And he was like, oh, my God, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how it feels. That's beautiful. That We got to put that, we got to cross-stitch that on a pillow. I love that. That's, you can't, yeah, it's you just can't, not. You can't be a part. Yeah. And people say, like, you can't be a part-time activist. That's something I'm like really trying to wrestle with it. Yeah, I am I am a part-time activist. I I really want to level up in the years to come. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a positive 5-star review and subscribe and tell your friends. 
I Survive Theatre School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth-Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. For more information about this podcast or other goings-on of Undeniable Inc., please visit our website at undeniablewriters.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you.